I'm Michael Fox, the publisher of the Prospector News, and this is the Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly. And joining me, as he always does, is the mercenary geologist, Mickey Falp. Welcome again, Mickey. Thanks a lot, Mike. It's good to have you. It looks like the uh, turmoil in the Middle East is continuing to put a bid under the precious metals markets. Sure is. Gold was steadily up this week as safe haven demand is ruling that market. Let's go through the numbers. Gold, 1979, up over 2.5%. Silver, up nearly 3% to close at 23.34. Platinum, nearly 2%. Gained 16 bucks to 8.97. And palladium's coming back to earth after, what, five or six years of elevated prices. It closed at 10.83, down 4% on the week. And the platinum-palladium ratio, which we have tracked for now 53 years, uh, is at a recent high of 0.83. Going back, it looks like it's uh, about a five-year high for that ratio. But let's keep in mind that in that 53 years, the median is 2.98 for that ratio, nearly three, and the mean is 2.75. So uh, we're nowhere near normal uh, at this stage for the platinum-palladium ratio. No, it's, uh, it seems like a rebalancing act going there. So the um, precious metals were up. Let's say uh, the industrial metals markets. Well, copper was flat, closed at 3.59, up a penny on the week, or actually less than a pending rounding error there. The cash to threes are minus 3%, which means uh, it is backward to the four, fourth month out. And so the short-term outlook, uh, uh, outlook amongst speculators is very negative for copper. And uh, copper was positive today because the Chinese came out overnight and said their GDP uh, was almost 5% for the third quarter. And if you really think that is true, I have a dam on the Yellow River to sell you. Yeah, I was going to say, um, but I guess if it puts a bid under copper, you know, let them lie. Wasn't much of a bid, up a, less than a penny on the week, so. Yeah, well, the energy prices continue to rise with the trouble in the Middle East. Yeah, WTI is off considerably today. It was above 90 bucks, but it closed at 89.02 for a 1.5% rise. And a lot of that had to do uh, with what's going on in the U.S. Uh, inventories were down 4.5 million barrels, and they are at the bottom of the five-year range again. Uh, what was it, three or four months ago, they were they were about the 80th percentile. Rigs uh, were up two on the week. Production still at the uh, pre-pandemic high of 13.2 million barrels a day. Imports came off a bit, 5.9. And refineries, seasonal uh, downturn, 15.6 million barrels a day, averaged over the last four weeks. Uh, big news came out. Uh, Biden is brown nosing uh, the Venezuelan president, Maduro, again. And the 
DOE has announced that they are going to start refilling the strategic petroleum reserve just as oil prices start to surge again. Natural gas futures are surging in the eurozone with their first cold snap of the fall. Uh, now at 1750 per million BTUs, compare that to about three bucks in the U.S. Yeah, they're praying for a warm winter in Europe, that's for sure. Again. And, uh, <laughs> the, the Department of Energy has uh, got to learn that they're supposed to buy low and sell high and not the other way around. But yeah, well, governments, you know, they're always backwards. The uranium well, prices. Not always are, because Trump <laughs> did exactly that during his uh, last year or so in office. That is true. Uranium prices took a jump after a couple of down weeks. Yeah, they popped back up to uh, approaching the pre-Fukushima high and closed this week at 72.38. That's up 4.5%. But uh, I went and looked at the Sprott Uranium Trust, and it is still underwater almost 2% to its nest asset value. So uranium equities are not yet participating fully in this rise. No, but there's always a lag there. And it is such a small market that, you know, it's hard to project sometimes what's going to actually happen. So the money markets, dollar came off a little this week. Not very much came off uh, what? 40, well, 48 basis points. So I guess you're right. That's significant, about a half percent. Uh, closed at 106.15. Euro uh, was up to a dollar six, eight tenths percent gain. The loonie closed just below 73 cents at 72.94. That's a 27 basis point. Uh, decline there. The real news in the Forex money markets really was the 10-year Treasury bond. Uh, got some Fed speak yesterday, that Fed speak a 2% inflation goal uh, combined with government debt sent the 10-year Treasury nearly to 5% yesterday. It was off a bit today, close at 4.93%. But let's keep in mind, that is a 17-year high uh, back to 2006. And you probably will recall that the housing market, the housing bubble built by the Fed was soaring in 2000 six before all hell started breaking loose in 2007. Yeah, I would uh, suggest that this uh, 10-year treasury might be a flashing red light, but we'll have to uh, we'll have to see if there's damage to be done there. Well, you just can't uh, finance the debt is really what, what amounts. You can't pay the interest rate on the debt, so it's kind of crazy, really. Yeah, well, the higher treasury is uh, typically not good for the markets. What did the markets do? Well, the markets were down considerably this week. We'll go through the numbers in a little bit. But the housing market is in shambles. Uh, housing starts uh, minus 
30% in the last year and a half. Building permits, minus 20% since December of 21. So there's a lot of concern right now. We have government spending way beyond uh, the, its income, basically taxes. So uh, leading to a burgeoning debt. The Congress is trying to spend $2 trillion more this year than we are taking in. The Fed increasing interest rates uh, has really uh, wrecked havoc on the markets. And uh, that brings up our Rolling Stones theme song this week from the new album. And it's called Mess It Up. And it's one of the two songs. It's Charlie Watts. Uh, swan song as the drummer and rhetorically did he ever miss a beat in what is it 60 <laughs> 60 years as the Rolling Stones drummer uh, regardless Dow down 1.6 percent close at 33127 S&P 500 down almost two and a half percent the VIX has been well above it's mean and median 21.4 on the volatility index since Powell spoke. NASDAQ was the big loser 12.984 down much more than 3%. Uh, as an aside, we don't track this on a weekly basis, but the Russell 2000 has been negative for six of the last seven weeks, does not fold well for the small cap sector. No, and uh, I'm noticing that in spite of uh, good commodity prices, the TSXV is down yet again. Yeah, well, no one cares about commodities, and bear in mind the TSXV index is only composed of 40% commodity-based stocks, resource stocks now. Uh, volumes have fallen once again to the upper teens of millions, less than 20 million. Uh, we mentioned already, uh, even the uranium stocks uh, remain flat uh, despite a 12-year uh, a high for this price of spot, uh, spot uranium. And uh, the TSXV index at 521 is now at its May 2020 low. Yeah. Uh, well, after the uh, Fed speak yesterday and today, they're supposed to be quiet now until the rate hike meeting at the uh, around about the 1st of November. Uh, what else is on the calendar next week if the Fed's got to be quiet? <laughs> yeah. Well, the markets probably won't react as much since the Fed's going to be quiet next week. We have the Bank of Canada and European Central Bank uh, rate numbers coming out next week. We've got the biggie, which will be Q3 GDP. We'll see what that is and see how much of that is related to government uh, spending and employment. We have durable goods. That's an all, always uh, uh, closely watched metric. And we have next Friday, a week from today, the personal consumer expenditures, which no doubt will come in up from last month because of higher oil prices. Yeah, well, it's uh, 
probably good to have a, a lighter week, but those are pretty uh, hefty reports that are coming out next week. So those could move the markets. I'm waiting with bated breath, though, because uh, I'm interested to see what this week's poll question is with all the uh, silliness that's going on in the world. <laughs> well, there is a lot of silliness. Uh, probably the, the biggest one I saw is Biden's trying to, to uh, tie funding of the Ukraine war with funding of uh, with shipping a bunch of military goods to Israel. So the neocons rule up there. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're going to go with this question. What is your opinion of the House Speaker snafu? Your choices are more gridlock is good. Second choice needed to beat the neocons in Congress. Third choice Republicans will lose the 2024 congressional election and your four choices. Other comment below. Well, I guess I'm a hybrid of three and four. It's kind of, you know, again, I'm Canadian, so I, you know, I have zero say in everything, but as an outside observer, it appears to be a self-inflicted wound and it's kind of hard to govern when you're fighting amongst yourselves. You know, Abraham Lincoln said a house divided cannot stand. So that's where I would sit and falling into the category. They got to get their act together or they will lose the Congress next election. Well, I think a house divided is the best thing can happen because that leads to gridlock. And we do not need any more laws in this country. So I'm kind of pleased that the house is non-functional right now. Well, that's fair enough. I'm not a big fan of big government either. So, you know, there, that, that could be a bit of a fallback as well. So, but that was my observation. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be an interesting another week. We live in interesting times, so, so the curse says. Thanks very much for joining me, Mickey. Thanks, Mike. The Metals, Money, and Markets Weekly is syndicated by our friends at Kitco.com. Mickey Falp and his musings can be found at MercenaryGeologist.com and on Twitter at MercenaryGeo. And I'm Michael Fox, published at ProspectorNews.com. Thank you for listening, and please join us again next week.